everybody. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Fitness Devil podcast. Today we have a really cool guest in Alberto Alvarez. He's a friend of ours from Spain. This is his first ever English language podcast. He gets on Spanish ones all the time. He's got a big Instagram following and he deals with a lot of really great, pretty basic nutrition stuff. He's known as a macro wizard. So we actually talk a lot about macros and calories today and a lot of basic nutrition stuff that we tend to not always do a great job of getting down to a lot of basic accessible stuff at the podcast. Sometimes we're thinking a, more, a, lot, a lot more theoretical, but um, we really created an episode here that hammers the basics of nutrition. So we get into a whole bunch of concepts. For example, I'm reading off my list here. I apologize, guys. Uh, you know, about the science versus the pseudoscience and whether or not the people who are selling the pseudoscience are really trying to mislead you or if they're just misled themselves. Uh, we look at some basic stuff, again, for people who are trying to lose weight, uh, practical takeaways. <clears throat> we have uh, a discussion on Alberto's 80,000 Instagram followers and how that's helped influence his career and helped other people. Uh, we look at a lot of the psychology of nutrition as well, not just the science of macros. And we talk a little bit about uh, some of the cultural differences in, in Spanish culture, in Spain itself, and uh, his uh, ability to penetrate Latin America, where a lot of our industry is very ethnocentric and English-speaking. So hang out. He's a really sweet, awesome dude. I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast and stick around because uh, we're marching our way to 50. Perfect. See yes. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our latest episode. Uh, we actually haven't recorded in a few weeks because we stacked up a bunch, so we're back in action. We're probably going to be a little rusty. Uh, Dean apparently lost his voice a little bit uh, houseboating recently, so uh, what, what's that, Dean? You just made a... I, I, just, oh. I just waved. I said, yep, I definitely lost my voice. I won't... I thought, I thought he was giving me this, like, don't talk about that gesture. Uh, so, <laughs> we can talk but, uh, about it. I just, I just don't know how much I can talk about <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, <laughs> exactly. So uh, our today we've got Al, our friend Alberto Alvarez, all the way from España. España. You are currently in Spain right now. I am. I okay. am currently in Spain. Yep. Because you you travel around a lot, so uh, we actually. Ha so he's also known as, especially on Instagram, as the Wizard of Macro. So, macro wizard. There you go. Yeah. So Jesus. I flipped it around for our title. Uh, so we're actually going to dedicate today's podcast uh, more than usual to a ton of nutrition. It's a really good way to go over a lot of important ideas, a lot of basic stuff. Actually, I think sometimes gets forgotten about that people gloss over uh, these things that should be universal, but aren't because of the amount of conflicting info that's out there and the people who tend to push conflicting information. So uh, Alberto, you got a, quite a story of personal weight loss uh, that led to helping others and pretty winding path of navigating your personal nutritional pitfalls, being inspired by other great coaches. And so could you share that journey where you started with a type 2 diabetes diagnosis at a very young age into becoming a very successful online coach uh, and having a very big social media following and into your passion for travel. So basically, tell us the story. Basically, he, we were on Facebook like, hey, what's your, like, we just wanted like a background story. He gave us this crazy story. We're like, holy shit. Like, we need to talk about <laughs> <laughs> so, so it. Yeah, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but um, I think it can help, certainly. So picture this. I'm 21. I'm uh, 135 kilos, which is 300 pounds. Uh, so big dude. Uh, I'm not very tall. So 5'11". 
and I, um, my habits were just crap. So I didn't know what, what I was eating. Uh, no exercise at all. No interest in life about anything, really. So I was just here doing nothing. One day going to work, um, I fainted. And I just woke up in the hospital out of the blue. Yeah. And it turned, it turned out to be that um, apparently the doctor said, hey, you, you have type 2 diabetes because of your, your overweight, basically. He didn't want to tell me that way, but he was like, you got to lose weight and let's start on insulin therapy. I'm like, Jesus. okay, I'm 21. No one has ever told me this before. How can this be possibly happening? Um, so, um, yeah, I got out of the hospital in a few hours and straight I went to the gym. I was like, I have to do something about this. And luckily, I met someone named Ben Thomas, who was my first personal trainer. And the guy spent like solid five hours with me trying to talk me into joining with him, even if I didn't have the money or anything. It was like, dude, just come for free. I don't care what you just told me. You have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So um, I started doing that. I started going to classes, started learning how to move, how to eat better. And I lost about 65 kilos, 140 pounds in eight months, basically. That's the short story, yeah. (laughs) I think it's actually worth highlighting here for any listener, especially anyone who, you know, is looking at a big weight loss journey or trainers who deal with big weight loss clients. Uh, I recently took on a client myself. He's down in just a space of a month, 17 pounds, but he lost 100 pounds in four months on his own, he started at 400. He's a tall guy. He started at 400, did a lot of research, did a lot of homework, took control of a situation, implemented it incredibly well in a way that you think people probably couldn't, and yet he did it, and he was happy doing it. And this stuff is possible. So for anyone who's listening is like feels like, I can't do this, this is a really daunting guess, people actually do this very successfully. Yes, they're not statistically the majority because a lot of people really struggle with it, but this stuff is very doable, very sustainable, despite the fear and the some of the statistics that say a lot of people don't do so well with it. So I, I just want people to take hope from that and realize that you can actually take control of this and have successful, fantastic outcomes. Well, and you, you, or, I was going to say, Eddie, you started a career out of it. Like That's kind of how, well, when we were talking, that's how you started to get into all this was like that journey into it kind of that's what sparked your passion to i guess helping others but like diving into like how the fuck did this happen yeah absolutely i mean um and i'm glad you touched on the on the sustainable thing andrew because i fell for the paleo um tribe if you want to call it now i'm not saying that paleo is a bad thing it's another tool in the toolbox it's just that when you think about paleo as the church of no gluten, no yep. sugar, um, any refined food, and in air quotes here, is going to cost World War Three. Everything goes to shit because I was, I was actually gaining, regaining weight when I started going in on paleo because I was eating all of these nuts and snacking on coconut shit all day and and, <laughs> and drinking this butter coffee sh- stuff. I'm like. Why am I doing all this, all these things? I, I knew the basics. I learned the basics, but there's some, somehow I just moved away from that. And then I, I opened my laptop one day and I, I typed in how to get abs or something like that. And I, I saw a bodybuilding.com link. 
I'm like, oh, bodybuilding. Okay, cool. Bodybuilding.com. I went in. And this guy, who probably no one knows, uh, named Alan Aragon. <laughs> <laughs> happens to be, I, I, he, he called me a few days ago. And uh, so Alan and I are friends, and he's amazing. So we got to chatting, and so he, is, he absolutely said he'd love to do the podcast. So we will have Alan Aragon in the not-too-distant future on the nice. podcast, which will be sweet. Nice. Thanks for the story. Sorry for interrupting. Yep. Nope. So um, I, I saw his post, his post, and he was talking about uh, this thing called flexible dieting. And there was these food porn threads with people posting Pop-Tarts. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds all right. And there I am feeling like, hey, but hold on. Gluten is supposed to be the devil. Why are these guys so ripped and seemingly healthy eating this shit? <laughs> so um i started digging more into alan aragon's work and i i'm i saw andy morgan's website as well as martin birkins and i that's where when it hit me i'm like okay i i, I need to actually learn about this <clears throat> study a little bit of the science behind it and then think uh, more critically instead of just following the cult and thanks to that i completely changed I, I mean i lost a lot of weight but the the big part was when i maintained it and then i gained some muscle mass so i just transformed my my whole body and my my mentality basically well and for people who don't know this like like you're you're a thin guy like when you told me you're 300 because like, we met we, did, we didn't talk about we were talking about like other shit like we didn't talk about hey i was 300 pounds like you're a thin in shape dude like i i wouldn't have even guessed it like you you're like three times bigger than you were yeah it's insane well, it's yeah. the same thing with um, last year. And, of course, your story reminds me a lot of uh, a former guest of ours, uh, Carter Good. In fact, you guys share a lot of common yeah. things with your social media approach to stuff, the way that you help people. You've got big reach. And you can tell his story and your story, and they're so similar because Carter was a big guy, too. And he lost, them, I think, about 140 pounds all told. I think he was around 300 at a, as a very <clears throat> young man who didn't know much about nutrition. And then same story, turn around, and it spawned a passion to help a lot of other people. And he's had an incredible reach. So uh, I think you guys are completely kindred spirits. But, you know, again, it's, it's another example of how someone can be successful with that. But please, more with your story. Um, I kind of lost my, my train of thought there. Um, yeah, so Andy Morgan and Alan Aragon and Martin Bergen. So I basically, I discovered this whole new approach to things. Thanks to those guys. Um, I was 21. Again, I, I didn't know. I still don't know a thing about the world, but I think I'm, I know better, <laughs> like most of us. Um, and thanks to that, I just, uh, yeah, changed the way I think about things. So I, I'm much more now into the the way. It's, let's put it this way. If you pretend to be someone, you're going to become that someone. So you got to be careful. Which, with who you pretend to be. Absolutely. So um, I pretend to be a guy who knows or learns things and tries to put out stuff that helps people, basically. That's that's all I do. <clears throat> a very honorable approach to fake it till you make it, which can work out wonderfully, <laughs> as you said. Um, <clears throat> we know there are fitness and fitness professionals who are faking it and they're full of shit. Um, but obviously, like you said, we'll touch on you that set later. out to, you set to do set out to do good things, Dean. I said we'll touch yeah. on that. We'll touch on that later. The whole full yeah. shit thing. But yeah, hit, hit him with the macros, man. 
we're we going to talk about it. Uh, let's see. So, yeah. Hold on. yeah. So, yeah. Well, usually, so this is, so, so for our listeners, um, this is the first time Andrew and I have been apart, well, other than the party one, that was a shit show. Um, but usually we're, we, we're like writing stuff and like giving hand signals, but like, I don't even know if we should do that because I don't know if it would work. Because everybody's going to see it anyway. So, of course, we always, I always script questions for everybody, so let's get a little bit coordinated here. And so what I wanted Alberto to do is to define macros, flexible dieting, and uh, the concept of if it fits your macros, because we throw around words like macros, macronutrients, as if every listener has a really, really clear understanding of exactly what that means, but that's making a big assumption. So, you know, how all the stuff relates to our industry, what are the usual misconceptions people hold when they encounter macros and macronutrient-based nutrition? So explain all that. Right. So <laughs> given my Instagram handle, a lot of people think that the macro wizard it's just a guy who counts macros, basically. And we go back to this uh, food porn thread of, hey, I eat bot parts and I have abs, which is <laughs> <laughs> in any way is true. So it's not, not, not true at all. He doesn't have any um, porn on his Instagram. <laughs> There's no porn. <laughs> exactly. Um, macros, basically, first, I, I don't get everybody to learn about macros if they don't need to. Uh, there must be, what's the, the smallest change that someone can make to move one step forward in the direction we want them to, to move, right? So if I have, um, I don't know if you guys, you probably guys know about uh, precision nutrition, PM certification. Yes. Uh, I have it, yep. I have the level one. Okay, yeah. okay great. Um, so I like the way they um, <laughs> split their categories of people. So there's the, the one, level two, level three. Uh, being level one is the... 90% of people you encounter in the street and then they approach you and they're like, Hey, how can you eat a burger? And you, you are in shape. They don't understand it. They're like, a burger is bad. You're in shape, which is supposed to be good. This doesn't, doesn't make sense. So then you can, you can actually educate them and be like, okay, this is because of this, this, this and that. But the most basic thing is because my energy balance is in, is on point. And my energy balance is nothing else than, not, not, not much than calories, basically. A lot of people shy away of talking about calories because, I, oh, you just count calories then. No, I don't necessarily count calories, but calories count. <laughs> so you can eat a lot of healthy, mm. nutrient-filled mm, avocados and, and stuff, but you can still gain uh, weight, which will impact your health, ultimately. So then I, I go about educating people um, in a Tetris kind of way. It's like, hey, these are your essential parts, essential blocks of Tetris. So you need to hit your protein, basically, your veggies and your fruit. Fill 40 or 50% of the screen with those blocks, the screen of Tetris. Yeah. And then fill the, the rest, 25 or the 30% of the screen with mm -hmm. fats, which are your olive oil, avocados, and, and the rest. And then the rest of the screen depends on how active you are and what your goal is, basically. And those are your carbohydrates. And it, it tends to go down very well because most of us, even if you're not a geek, no Tetris. So yeah. it's easy to understand. I would be so confused. I'd be like, well, if I fill it up, the line's clear. So like calories don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, I win. I'll just eat more. But no, I guess that goes back to the point of like, even though people think it's a complicated thing, you, you, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you put it in a 
I guess, metaphor that makes sense to them. And that's similar to what you do with Instagram. Like if you will look at Alberto's Instagram, it's just, it's, it's a lot of infographics and you put information that's digestible for, for people. And I think that that's, that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, we, if you ask me the question, what are micronutrients? I, I can go on forever. I, and we can go on forever. It's like, yeah, protein are amino acids and they're like, blah, blah, blah. And you can go into a lot of words and detail that most people don't need. 99% of people don't need uh, to know the leucine threshold or whatever. They don't need to. <laughs> well, no, it just doesn't. It, it, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, like 90% of the people, it doesn't matter. They just need to get their ener energy balance. And if you talk to them about like, well, if you eat this protein, you need this much leucine to do this, they will literally just like those, you're done. I'm, I'm just going to go to bodybuilding.com and look at that. <laughs> Um, but let's talk yeah. about this. So we, we talked about there's a deeper part to the whole thing and we'll just call it science. So um, Andrew threw a good quote in here. The, the great thing about science is that it's true whether you believe it or not. Quote, I don't know where you got it from, Andrew. But you, you hear that everywhere. People cite it all the time in the face of the pseudoscientific bullshit that people peddle out, be it things like anti-vaxxers or people who deny that calories matter for weight loss or any number of other uh, climate change deniers, that one will set a few people off, or the, the type of people who think that Australia or Finland don't exist, these crazy conspiracy theories. You know, what? Aust Australia what is, is let's talk about, let's talk about that. there. Let's just take Whether a break from believe this. believe it or not, right? Let's like, take a break so, from yeah, this. People, I, didn't, people, I didn't know that. So what? what's the reasoning for Australia not existing? That That's, I want to know that. <laughs> It's a similar sort of thing as to flat earthers. There's another example, right? That like, here's the thing. The world is round. We what? have a globe. Even though the, some people think it's flat, it doesn't change. Why the don't they think Australia exists? <laughs> so the, the Australia thing apparently is people think that it's a giant conspiracy where they originally sent Australia was ostensibly founded as a more or less a British penal colony where they just sent a lot of people they didn't want and just put them out there. Uh, but what, the belief is, is they actually killed them all. And this is a giant conspiracy and cover up. And they believe that when people have images of going to, or even fly to Australia, it's a whole bunch of paid actors pretending <laughs> to continue to perpetuate the myth that Australia is a real thing. When in fact, it does not actually. Did they, make up I should, you know, they made up kangaroos too? People believe this stuff. Holly Baxter uh, and Lane Norton and like a whole Alan Aragon, uh, James Krieger, a whole bunch of these people all went to a really Mike Isertel, a whole bunch of our former guests were all at this uh, conference in Australia. So of course, and Holly came back and I saw somewhere on her social media she actually referenced the fact that no, it's real. You know, there's <laughs> not paid actors. So she actually mentioned that whole conspiracy thing somewhere on her social media. See, we, Alberto, we learn something new every day. On this podcast. Yeah, man, we we love conspiracies, right? As a, as humans, it's just our minds are geared towards them. Absolutely, right? So I guess the, the natural segue to this is uh, we deal with fitness professionals um, who market themselves uh, in on principles that kind of fly in the face of established science. I guess, like Australia not being real. Um, why are people? so easily easily lured by these alternative facts. So people obviously believe Australia isn't real. That's fucked. But people want to believe that. So do you believe that most people selling these ideas or facts are dishonest or do you think that they're actually misled themselves? That's that's a good point. Um, it's even the better point coming from me because I've been on both sides. Um, so I went full paleo tard. <laughs> <laughs> 
excuse me if you eat paleo. It's it's a tool. I'm yeah. not meaning to. Um, but so we want to be a part of something, right? So we want you want to be a part of of of, of a group of a family. Um, if you're alone, you die and you rot away. So I think they're not really wrong intended people, or they just want a quick buck. It's just people that haven't really found another way yet. Yeah. Uh, like it took me several months of, of eating yeah. 4,000 calories of macadamia nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. But... So, um, uh, yeah, possibly like doc- Dr. Oz and these yeah. guys, um, Gary Tubbs and the rest, they're possibly in it for the money. I, although I, I think they didn't, go in for the money and they just found themselves swimming in, in notes and in, in coins and in, in dollars. And they're like, okay, I cannot get out of this now. I have to go on with the movie. But I don't think they're really bad intended or wrong intended. Yeah. I would think I, even, even if I look at the doctors, like the time it came out, like I, I think <laughs> shit was so fucked up back then when the doctors came out. Like I literally think they believed a lot of that. Cause a lot of the information we're talking about, I think even flexible dieting wasn't around then. Like that was a long time ago, if you think about it. And now they're just well, they have to push their agenda because they got to get people on there. And I don't know, it's it's a big shit show. I, I, a good a good tip that might help people in this um, scenario now that if you think anything is the way, the only way, I encourage you to go and try something else out of that way. But keep measuring the rest of the variables. I mean. If you if you think eating carbs at night is gonna make you fat, keep measuring your keep taking your average weight, keep uh, measuring your uh, waist, and take another measurement like your waist in three points, for example. Eat some carbs at night and just don't change any other variable. Just take some of the fats, for example, and just replace them with carbs, and see what happens. And I've done this with hundred hundreds of people, and they're like, "Hey, nothing actually happens after two weeks." I'm Pretty good. And the key point that you just made and people have to grab is you have to, if you're going to add the carbs in, you have to remove an equal amount of calories somewhere else so that way the calories are the same. Because the reason why people have this idea, largely the reason why people think that carbs at night are bad, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. One is if you add an extra meal late at night and you would have been otherwise in calorie maintenance, that now pushes you into surplus. Those late-night carbs will make you fatter. It's not because of the timing of them. It's the fact that that is where you ate the extra calories. And the second problem with eating late is how many of us, when we eat late, what do we tend to go for? Uh, Oftentimes, a lot of people tend to go for foods that are high in calories, high in refined sugar, high in fat, that are tasty. And so when we go after that sort of stuff, that sort of food is high calorie and therefore it's easier to push us into calorie surplus. It is not the timing per se. And I think if someone finds that eating at night creates these problems for them, well, it's perfectly fine to Brian Cron will talk about stuff like this is like, it's okay to set a rule where you don't consume food later at night. If it works for you, I think you have to be very careful about setting arbitrary rules like that. They can be very useful. So if you find that not eating at night helps you lose weight, that's perfectly okay. But it doesn't mean that carbs at night are actually well, bad. It's, it's but, like every, but it's like, it's like, exactly. paleo, it's like paleo, like paleo 
paleo actually works to fix people's gut health. But then on the opposite end, if you have 4,000 calories of macadamia nuts, it doesn't fucking work. And then CrossFitters grasp onto that probably because of the tribal thing you're talking about. But then they're under eating mm-hmm. carbs in a performance-based sport and they're all fucking getting hurt and shit. So, I mean, like on either end of all the spectrums, it always tends to be bad. But I like that idea of testing it on yourself because I don't think a lot of people go down that route and then actually track, we'll call it their own science experiment, but it's, everyone can do it. It's not, if you have a maintenance level of calories in your macros, you could test these stuff, these things out and see if it works. Cause you know what? Paleo might work for some people and eating 4,000 calories of macadamia nuts might work for the odd person. Probably yeah. not, but <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the, the whole basis of uh, evidence-based practice, right? So mm. we know what science says. But then if someone, like you said, Andrew, if someone really does well with not eating carbs at night, why should they? Even if science says, hey, they're okay. Yeah, they're okay. I know, but they're not okay for me because mm-hmm. they trigger something else or they feel they make me feel X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, there's very little that's hard and fast in nutrition. Uh, obviously, the underlying underpinnings of this episode is understanding macronutrients and calories. Um, and you mentioned paleo. Uh, you could talk about concepts like intermittent fasting, uh, ketogenic diets, or another example that a lot of people talk about right now. These can all work if you get the calories and the macros right. The people who believe in these ideologies, who think that the ideology itself is the reason why it works, and deny that calories, macronutrients are important, the calories especially, uh, they're misleading people, or they're they're misled themselves. If you get the right amount of calories, no matter the approach for whatever reason. And if you like it, and this is the basic message for everybody, if you're getting the right amount of calories for your goal, and if you enjoy what you're doing and you can sustain it, it's going to work for you. And yes, so you can use one of the quote pseudoscientific uh, nutritional approaches because the ideas behind it tend to be a bit pseudoscientific. They can still work very well for you, which is why it's good for us to explain how they work and how they don't. But it, it's also really important to us to not to demonize these other approaches as well, because a lot of people have done really well through paleo. A lot of people have done really well through keto. Uh, veganism is another one that tends to take on fad-like status, and that has some moral stuff as well. Uh, but they all can help you lose weight. <clears throat> so can clean Absolutely. eating. Yeah. So. Uh, well, yeah. Don't go there. <laughs> How do you define that? <laughs> clean eating is a messy one. Exactly. So, uh, so what else we got for you? Um, so. We, we probably have listeners who are struggling to lose weight. I know some people that I know have been inspired actually by this podcast. I'll throw my client, Dan Ransom, out there. He's lost a lot of weight. He's down like over 50 pounds now. Yes. He's a devoted listener. He loves it. He's a really big fan of Carter Good, one of our first episodes. I'll make sure he listens to this one. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Those people who are really trying to lose weight. We've got listeners who really want to put on lean mass. Uh, and we've identified that nutrition is a trouble spot for some of these people. What would you say to those people to get them started, to lay down some sustainable behaviors, to create that sustained success? Got it. Um, it goes back to the point of what's the smallest step, uh, the smallest step you can take, sorry, uh, right now to move forward. So I had this uh, lady who couldn't lose weight at all and who's measuring everything. She was tracking macros. She was doing everything perfectly. And we couldn't pinpoint what, what the issue was. But then it turns out that my advice of 
eating more protein was a little bit vague. It was like, yeah, but what's more protein? It's just, I don't know, a, a slice of ham. Is, is that enough protein? Or do I need to take five scoops of protein in the morning? So I we set out a rule or a, a, yeah, a, a template, a blueprint of, hey, every time you sit down to eat, just make sure one quarter of the plate has some protein from these sources, blah, 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 blah. And then half of the plate is veggies, vegetables, most of the time. So I say every time you, you sit down to eat, do this. But what I mean is most of the time you sit down to eat, do this. Why do I say this? Because the psychology behind the most of the time versus all of the time matters a lot. So if you say all of the time, if she was going to a party and ate a pizza, next day she would be like, oh, I screwed up. Um, I ate some pizza, so I just went down with the whole pie and went to town. Whereas if you say most of the time do this, then she'd be like, hey, I had some pizza, but I think I can still do the veggies and protein at night thing, right? Can I? Yes, of course. It's moving you in the right direction. It's the smallest step you can take to to keep moving. So it's fine. So that's uh, one thing I would do with uh, someone trying to lose weight, for example. Uh, just add in some protein to your plates or, or make sure you have a template in mind. Like, how does my plate look when I sit down to eat? You know what's funny? We after, the funny thing is, we're, I think we're like forty three episodes in at this point, and we've actually never talked about plate portions. And I know it seems <laughs> simple, but like that simple tip is pretty much how you get past this whole macros and calorie counting thing. And we've never even talked about it. It's just that whole idea of we'll call it plate hygiene. But it's simple. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> that's why when uh, when Dean suggested, you know, you sent us a message actually about the podcast. I was you like, know, fuck like, it, let's get a little on right now. You, you, yeah, and, and you know, we we're but, looking at scheduling a few people, and it's like, you know, we need to get episode on, and it's like, fuck, man, this is exactly what we should do to do a really good episode, drilling down into a lot of the basics on uh, on a lot of the nutrition stuff. And this is this is practical stuff. Like if you've ever heard anyone's, we've never said this on there either. But if you drink from taller, thinner glasses, uh, and the fluid volume, let's say if you're actually drinking your calories, which is something that I think is also a good recommendation to try to get people to shift more towards water, black coffee, that uh, get away from fruit juices, get away from pops. But if you are drinking your calories, then uh, taller, thinner glasses that have less volume in them psychologically that can help as well. Little smallest changes that you can make that might make a big difference, right? Absolutely. Um, also, now you mentioned liquid calories. You could say, hey, you, you love Coke or soda. How about switching to diet soda? And then everyone in the fitness industry that uh, has something against diet soda for some reason will go to you and they're like, you're nuts. You, you're recommending people to drink diet soda. I'm, I'm not recommending anything, guys. I'm, I'm just saying... The next step is to move to diet soda. And then the guy might go to water. But you cannot tell any someone that's used to drinking, I don't know, a, a whole can of, of Coke every single day. You're going to be like, hey, yeah, just switch to water. It's fine. Just don't drink anything else. Water. <laughs> yeah, people, people, some people freak the fuck out when you talk about like, artificial what? sweeteners. I remember exactly your example. Dr. Spencer Nadolsky's posted uh, things about Diet Coke before and just the, the Viratol, the hate, the craziness that he's gotten in response. I know he, he deals with it really well. He has fun with it. So I think he sort of like pokes and well, looks for that a little like bit too. Being overweight isn't better than <laughs> drinking Coke. Like have your... <laughs> 
There's way worse yeah. things in life than the coach. Even, even if <laughs> even if aspartame caused cancer, brain cancer, the way that the the, the cherry pick research and the, the fear mongers say it does, and it doesn't. Uh, even if it did cause brain cancer, quite frankly, you're probably going to die a lot quicker from the diabetes anyway. If you're that extreme. <laughs> Uh, it, anyway, it's, it, it doesn't cause that. Just, just a quick, actually, you mentioned diabetes. Did you end up reversing it at all? Or are you still like, you still have it? No, no, no. I, I never had it. Um, okay. I mean, I was diagnosed with it, but I never had to, to use nice. insulin replacement or anything. No, that's another thing. So it's like, you can't get out of that. It's like, well, you, there's a point where you can actually reverse it. And you, you basically did it. Ye- yeah. I, I lost 50% of my body weight. So I, I think my entire Physiology just changed completely. Yeah. Okay. Let's just keep going with this. I think, um, so we know, and we kind of touched on this already, that it kind of goes, nutrition goes beyond macro targets and, and knowing what to eat. We know that also everyone has this emotional relationship with food and it's not just fuel. So add in life, habits, stress, eating disorders, um, you name it, location. Do you have any thoughts or recommendations for individuals or even our fitness professionals how to merge these this technical science with the emotional psychology of, we'll call it nutrition, but the most emotional psychology of the whole thing? Um, yeah. Mm, it's funny <laughs> when I, when I started, when I started doing the infographics and we'll get, we'll get onto how and why uh, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, it was much more technical. It was much more about, Hey, these are the proteins or see, this has more calories. So you should eat this and all these tiny little things that, yeah, they help people, but they're not really groundbreaking. But then I started doing more of a psychological standpoint once like being, yes, you can eat a cookie. And it's not going to kill you. And you can eat a salad and it's not going to make you healthy as fuck. So <laughs> just, just think about this for a second and then make take decisions, man. Just yeah. just think about it for, for one second. And then I will get like 600 comments in a post. Oh, you saved my life. I'm like, I saved your life by saying you can eat a cookie and a salad and it'll be okay? What? So it just goes to show how we are uh, wired and how, how crazy we can get with this thing. So empowering people man i i would say just give them power to to eat and make mistakes and and if they do gain uh, a pound or two because they overate because of their food environment is not set correctly fine we just go and and seek out what's going what's not going on the right direction and then make small changes um i had someone who liked to have chocolates all over the house and no matter what we did it didn't work because he was constantly snacking on these chocolates. And until the point, until he told me, he was like, Hey, I think this is why we are not making any progress. I'm like, okay, so you are not counting this in your goals for the day. Oh no, I just thought they're like snacks. So they don't count. Okay. No problem. Don't worry. It's okay. That's fine. Just change those with oranges, apples or nothing at all. You don't need to snack constantly. And that little change is just and people, boom. It, you know, it's it's absolutely true though. Like I've had people like they'll their kids' plates, they'll finish them off. It's just they don't think about it because their environment has been like that for so long. He probably didn't even think about it, like you said. And it's just it's one of those things where if you can provide that whole, um, we'll call it solution or education or just kind of break their loop, then those little changes do you, you make them realize that their environment plays a way <laughs> bigger factor than they originally think. And yeah, for the. Maybe- 
Oh, no, you first. No. Go on, go on. That's fine. Go on. I was going to say, for the fitness professionals listening, if you haven't figured this out yet, it's important. People almost universally need to realize things uh, for themselves, and they need to make the decisions themselves. When we tell someone, here's what you need to do, um, that doesn't tend to work very well when it comes to emotional stuff, psychological stuff for weight loss especially. You can really help highlight things, and you can bring someone to it, the proverbial bring the horse to water. Now I've got a fire alarm. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. So can, can you guys hear that? Yeah. Yes. That's great. <laughs> I don't think the building is on fire. So tell you what, you guys can continue. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys continue. I'm going to duck out and see what's going on. Okay. Awesome. So uh, awesome. can you, hold on, happening. I'll mute me. Absolutely. You guys Get going. Okay. Sorry about that. We're going to call back. I'm going to, I'm going to end them. I'm, I'm cutting them out. <laughs> that was sweet. I, I've, that's so mad. We had three-way call. First time it ever happened. <laughs> Our goal <is> left <laughs> in the middle of it. So like, I think we should just keep going with this. And honestly, let's talk about let's talk about the Instagram. So um, since we kind of touched on the basics, so you have eighty thousand followers. So like that's a lot. So how has social media influenced your work and kind of allowed you to help more people and get into this industry? And for anyone listening. I guess, like, how did how did it happen? Um, social media changed everything, basically. And it changed it in a good way. And we tend to hate on social media because people yeah. just take snaps of them, of the butts and their apps, and they're just trying to get money for nothing. Yeah, he doesn't but, do that. Uh, when you... <laughs> when, you, when you use it in the right way, and this goes to... How did I start? Um, a lot of it is thanks to Jordan Syed yeah. Yeah. and Mike Bacanti. I went to a seminar last year in New York City and yeah. I saw how they were doing. And Jordan was like, guys, these people need our help. And there are more people that need help than us helping. So just please get on with it and do it. Just do videos, post content, do in infographics about how an apple can be good for you. Yes, it's stupid, but do it. People don't know don't know that, or they they try to ignore that. So if you say with your own voice and they follow you, they might be like, okay, so this guy, I like him. He's he's saying it. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I just started being consistent with it, and I'm posting one or two posts a day. Yeah. And that's been going on for the past year and a half, and from like. 2,000 followers and people coming to my website, reading my articles, I don't know, once in a moonlight, I now have like 50,000 monthly views on my website and 80,000 followers on Instagram. And it's not even the metrics. I don't really care about the metrics. It's just like the constant messages from people saying, I just read your content and after six months of, the, of doing it my way, here's my before and after or here's my experience or here's what happened with me. It's it's unbelievable. Are, are most of them so like we've we've looked at Carter so he was in the states and Jordan the same thing is are most of your followers like are they Spanish or is it yeah. kind of like a mix they, so they are Spanish they are Spanish yeah yeah most of them because most of you, everything that you if I I can't remember now at this point I think all of your stuff is mostly Spanish isn't it like if I go on your Instagram like that's if it. you go yeah, if you go back for further further than one year you'll see a mix of English yeah. because I I I 
I lived in England for a long time in Ireland, and that's why I speak English and I, I think in English. Yeah. So my my original Instagram posts were like me talking or me explaining things in English, but then I realized, and this is one of my missions. Hey, there's a lot. There's a huge gap of content between what we have in the states or in English, yeah. and what's available in Spanish. It's Absolutely. it's getting better now, but it's it's happening. It's sort of the what. Andrew Andy Morgan is is fighting against in Japan. He's yeah. trying to do good in Japan and and bring in the best content to the Japanese. I'm trying to do the same thing here. I'm trying to bring the best content in English and uh, to Spain, so we can start uh, following evidence basically instead of just daydreaming. Well, and let's even talk about that because basically your social media stories is very similar to Jordan's and Carter's. Like you started posting every day, people started watching it, and then it just fed everything else. But like you said, Andy's in Japan. We had him on and we talked about the cultural differences. But what's unique about you is you're in the Spanish culture and there's this different way, like you said, of thinking and how food is thought of. And we kind of bonded over the fact that I literally just came back from Spain when we first met. So, And I saw all those things. So can you kind of talk about those, I guess, the differences in the cultures and why it's so important to switch that over? Because we, we're agreeing it's important, but like, what are those things? Well, I don't think the difference here would be as, dif as huge as um, Japan, for example. Yeah, Andrew's back. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm back, by the way. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're talking about... So we, basically, we just started just about how um, Spanish, his goal is to kind of bring all this stuff over to Spain. But we want to talk about those cultural differences because I think it's fairly interesting just being there oh, myself. I so anyways, um, continue. I was, I was saying that uh, it's not going to be as huge as Japan, but uh, we do have some unique habits. Uh, we are a very warm people. So we, we like to touch. We like to be with you. We like to take you out for lunch, bring you into my house, live with us, basically, basically we're very friendly. Yeah. And <laughs> sleep that, with us. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sleep with us. The whole, the whole gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> We might pick who who to invite, but hey, <laughs> no judgment there. It reminds me of no. that. What is it? That Woody Allen movie, uh, God, with uh, Javier Bardem as an artist. What? Oh, Scarlett Johansson's in it. And uh, well, yeah. if you've seen, what the hell is that movie? If, if you've seen Never Vicky seen. Christie Barcelona, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's kind of interesting. We'll leave it at it there, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So those um, those. Traits, uh, traits can can actually play a role in fitness and nutrition and anything really because eating out constantly, um, having a tendency for preferring to go out with friends or to bond over a meal or which are wonderful things. There, I mean, is the best way to know people, to break bread, to to meet with uh, great minds, blah blah blah. But I see it a lot here that when you're trying to pursue a goal, especially in the fitness thing, um, it just gets in the way. And it's the best, it's the easiest excuse. It's like, oh, I had a family meal and I just went to town. Oh, but then tomorrow I have a wedding. Oh, but tomorrow I have uh, this hand party. And then, oh, tomorrow I have this boat thing. Every single day, something's happening here. So it, it was crazy. Most of, well, yeah. I was going to say, it was crazy. Like when I went to go look at um, basically... TripAdvisor, but I went and looked at all the restaurants. Like Barcelona is not like crazy huge in terms of like size. There's 8,500 restaurants. 
<laughs> I was like, like literally, there's a restaurant every second store, and there's stores everywhere. It's it's nuts. There's a restaurant for each of us, man. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and it's crazy. Like that's that's kind of like your guys' thing, based on how we talked about. But I saw, like everyone had a big lunch, kind of a small breakfast, and then it was just snacks or I guess tapas. But like a lot of um, social eating in terms of it wasn't huge meals, especially at night, and you just hanging out talking all the time, and a lot of wine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to work around that, you have to actually, again, empower them. Be like, okay, these are your options, A, B, and C. You can either do this and not have breakfast, go out for lunch, and then have a small dinner. You can either have breakfast, don't have lunch, and then enjoy your dinner with your friends and go to town. Or you can either do whatever you want that goes within the basics we spoke before. And yeah, the first weeks, most people find resistance and they don't actually follow through. But again, if you give them the power to choose, it's, it's amazing. They're like, oh, I actually went out for tapas, which are like basically bread and mayonnaise. And so it's just carbs and fat and carbs and fat and more fat. <laughs> and wine. <laughs> and, then, yeah, and wine. And then they're like, but then I came home and I, I drank two protein shakes or a protein shake with two scoops and I went to bed. And I did fairly well for the day. Boom. Okay. Before that, you will be like, wow, I screwed up. I'm just going to go for pizza now, even though I'm not hungry, just out of habit. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of coffee too. <laughs> there's a lot of coffee. Yeah. There like, is a lot. My, my biggest thing, and I don't think this was unanimous everywhere in Spain, but when I was traveling there, it was protein. It was just hard to find protein. <laughs> Like lot, I wish I would have bought protein powder. Is, is like I don't know. I don't think that's everywhere, but like it was just there was so much to indulge in. It would have been, it would have been hard. It it probably Dean is go, hard. Dean goes through um, customs into Spain with a bag of white powdery substance. I, I've done and, that. Actually, I've done that. <laughs> excuse, excuse me, sir. What is this? I, I didn't. What I would rather. Hell? So I've done that. I went to Jamaica. I think for. Oh, was it my wedding? Anyways, I went. I traveled. Some, no, it was for Mexico for a bachelor party. So similar idea. I traveled with a Tupperware full of vanilla protein and it was white. And like, <laughs> they, Fuck. I swear to God, like I was, and they're like, what is this? What is this? Like they're testing it. I'm like, it's protein. I'm like, there's a scoop in it. Like that's a lot of cocaine. If I, I couldn't have, like, what would, what would I do with that? Um, but so anyways, they, stop, they stop you. They stop it's you. A ba- it's a bachelor party for a week. You never know, right? Barcelona but. didn't check anyone. Like when I went to Spain, I was like, I should have just brought my protein powder. <laughs> yeah, we're just cool, man. Just yeah, bring just, in just, whatever. Just, just come on in, Jamaica. Like they, they were awesome. <laughs> they said that's that's sketchy. And I'm like, you know what? That kind of is sketchy. You're right. Didn't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually I take my protein in little baggies. Now it works way better. Yeah, I do the same. I do the same. No, yeah. Where do you even get little bit? I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. So, no, I don't do that. Um, (laughs) Okay, where are we now? I think. um, uh, So obviously, I was gone with the. Apparently, it was a fire alarm test, which is ridiculous. I'm glad that they let me know. Was there a fire though? Was there? No, no, no. The building is still standing. That's great. I'm I'm up in the upstairs of my gym where I work. Uh, did you ask him about the Instagram followers or did oh, yeah. you just jump and, over to your question? Yeah, and like a lot of, a lot of them are, are Spanish followers. It, it's kind of funny. Like how actually I, I do want to know this. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth, but how fast did it take? I know it's been about a year, but like, 
is it did it grow like what was the pop-off point for instagram i'm kind of always interested in that kind of next level like when did you know that it was a thing and like what blew it up um mm -mm, good question i i wouldn't say there was a pop-off point uh i would say it was constant yeah but then you see the messages from people and the comments and you interact with them and you engage them and you're like even even if this reaches only 100 people it's worth doing yeah. So I, I kept doing it and then those hundred people became 200 and then 300 and then 1000 and 1000 became two and three and so on. And last thing you know, you're like 80,000 and you're probably, I'd probably be like, I don't know, whatever thousand on my, on my email list. I don't even know, but, um, I just provided, I still provide good info and on a constant basis. Well, and um, let's even go here. Like, where? when did the relationship with Andy kind of come into play? So we've had Andy on. So Andy, rip, anyways, Rip Body, how did that relationship start? Um, it started from me reaching out to him to thank him for the work and to ask him if I could translate articles uh, for the Spanish crowd, basically. So I, I reached out to, I know fair amount of people in the fitness industry in the states yeah. uh, i went to kansas city to the conference yeah. we met there obviously i'm going the next year as well Absolutely. and i just love connecting with people with the excuse of hey i have something to offer to help you yeah. get seen and people will actually see your work through me can i do it and everyone no one's gonna no one no one said no was, everyone's like yeah can i ask you why why are you doing this i'm like well I just want to help. I, I lost a lot of weight. I, I see that value in this and I just want people to go through this. And if Andy said, a couple, if Andy said a couple no, of thoughts there. Oh, sorry. No, Dean, you first. I was going to say, if, if Andy said no, he'd be a dick because he basically did that to Eric Helms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, you pulled an Andy, basically. Um, yeah, I did. I pulled an Andy, exactly. You're like, Andy, so, I know you did this. I'm going to do it. And you better not say no because I'll call you out. <laughs> exactly one of the things i was going to ask then and it kind of goes back to you know culture and and obviously being able to translate all the stuff in the spanish language do do you find that your following is very heavily rooted in spain or have you seen uh penetration into latin america places like mexico uh central america that sort of stuff so it's it's 50 percent spain Spain, sorry, and the, the rest is uh, North America, actually, and Latin America as well. So there's a lot of people Good. from the States who speak Eng uh, English and Spanish, I suppose. Good. Well, I kind of figured that. Uh, certainly, if, if it had not, then I figured uh, it would be a great area to penetrate. But I think you're in a really advantageous position because I'm not sure how many people of, I'm sure they're there, but of evidence-based backgrounds who are putting out good information in uh, you know in Spain certainly certainly in Latin America uh, we know a place like Brazil which is more uh, influenced culturally by Portuguese they speak Portuguese there uh, I, I know there's a fitness is a very big thing um, and it's funny I'll use Brett Contreras as an example someone who puts out a lot of very evidence-based stuff about glutes and you have Brazilian-based coaches who actually kind of attack go after a guy like Brett because they're trying to preserve their more traditional approach to glute training. And I guess, I don't know, they see Brett as a threat or a rival. So uh, not everybody is that way, but you see some of that in a culture in, in Brazil, which, of course, celebrates booty, as you know. So Yes, yes, they do. Well, so do you, yeah. do you find I, that you actually get any pushback 
from uh, Spain, from Latin America, or any of the, the coaches that might have a, a more traditional and perhaps less evidence-based approach to training? Great point. I was going to touch yeah. on that. Yes, I do. Really? Um, yes, there is a lot of rivalry and, and competition perception, I would say, here. Uh, whereas they see me as, oh, this guy is just uh, is going to take clients of me or something. Where I do the opposite thing. I am like, hey, this guy might help you best, not me, actually. Or, hey, listen to this kid who has only 200 followers, but he's putting out great content. He's got something to say. So I'm, I'm taking my vantage point, if you want to call it that way, because it's, it's in no way huge, but it's, it's a little bit better than, than having no media or no outlet to, to tell your story to help these guys who are putting great content so they can reach more people. In fact, um, we're translating the muscle and strength pyramids from Eric Helm, Sandy, and Andrea. Good. So I, instead of doing it all myself, I just recruited two of the best guys here in nutrition and training to, to help me out do it. And they're not really known. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's very much like what uh, Andy Morgan has done with his team of uh, Kengo and Nyoto, uh, who you know, they do a lot of the translating of the stuff into Japanese. So, yeah, I don't see how one person can do it alone. It's a big project to translate this stuff into other languages. I guess it then becomes, all right, well, what's next? What other works that are out there that uh, you'd like to translate? Get into, talk to a guy like my, Dr. Mike Isertel and like, get into some of the uh, Renaissance periodization stuff or, or who knows what's out there, right? Or, like, exactly. like, shut up, man. That's the, that's the next plan. <laughs> no, that's crazy. It's crazy that it's not crazy that the business model works, but it's just funny that it hasn't happened yet. And it's like it just takes someone who like like you said, with your story, who recognized the value in it and just wanted to bring it over because it's like I was in Spain, like I was in the gyms. None of most of that stuff wasn't happening. Even if I went to the gym, it was like some of the stuff I seen. It's a little different. And now you need. Well, sorry, go. And, and now you need to find someone in Pakistan and someone in, <laughs> in and, China. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Someone in China, someone in fuck Finland, all these other sort of places and begin to translate and find the, the Finnish version of Alberto, right? <laughs> I was I was discussing this with Brett Contreras in, in Kansas. I'm like, if we were to find someone in China to do your job justice, you'd be rich, man. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, do they culturally value big butts in China is the thing, right? So, I don't know. Uh, that's they will. Like, give, it, give it time. Give it time. When they, no, when they, when they so do, like, when they do, we'll find someone and we'll translate. Yeah. I think there's a whole, there's a lifetime's worth of, of work here in translating. I'm looking at, we got to find people, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I could translate all this stuff into, uh, into something consumable in Newfoundland in because Newfoundland, Newfoundland has its own interesting dialect on things. You use the Newfie dialect. I'm just kidding. Um, I, it would hurt me could. to actually try to do that. Uh, that would soul. be painful. Uh, let's hit him with the book, my man. Let's hit Absolutely. Book. So, Alberto, uh, we yes. always ask each guest to share a book they enjoyed, uh, they found personally or professionally influential. Uh, I was kind of hoping you have one to share. I do. I was actually struggling to find just one. Um, do people only share one, really? No, they, they <laughs> said they, there's usually a few. Yeah, um, so I would say Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert is, nice, a, is a good one. Nice. Have you read it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I have. Yep. Um, I went through a phase where I really got into a lot of the psychology of happiness. Uh, the Happiness Advantage was another book that I thought was really, really good. Uh, yeah, and just understanding, you know, a lot of the psychological, even physiological underpinnings of happiness and a lot of the social stuff. Uh, but no, tell me more. Go. Now, and I was going to say, if you want to kick in the butt and you want to do things and don't go full on Gary B, which is great, but uh, <laughs> it's, so, it's so new that people just think Gary B is the only one. Um, you can also read Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. Okay, which Pressfield's a good author. Just, which just, um, it, it unlocks everything you actually believe about creativity and how to put out work. It's like, dude, just do it. Come on, stop with the fucking excuses and just do it. That was full okay. Gary V right there. <laughs> I'm absolutely got to download that one because the what is it? The War of Art is also something that I want to read by Pressfield. You just so. you just found yeah. a book that Andrew hasn't read. That's like that's also a first, I think. Man, there's been a lot of firsts. First three way, <laughs> first fire, <laughs> first fire alarm, and I think the first book you haven't read. Jesus, what else are we gonna do? We're gonna fuck it up somehow. Um, okay, let's let's do this. Where. We kind of already talked about your Instagram, but where can, where's the best place for our listeners to kind of find you and consume you, social media, your website? Like, what is that place for you? I'm going to say two because most of that is in Spanish. So if you listen to this and you speak Spanish, you can find me uh, at the Macro Wizard on Instagram or themacrowizard.com, my site. If you don't, then I would say you can find us at greatbody.com, basically, Andy Morgan and me, because I help him out with several things, and I share his philosophy 100%. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, our, our English-only speaking listeners or non-Spanish-speaking listeners can actually get in. And it's even still cool to follow you, because I, I looked at the infographics. I was looking for information to talk about for this podcast, and I realized, fuck, everything's in Spanish. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, it's like... I'm going to need to come up with something different here. And then that's where it's like, all right, well, let's just actually just break this down into a lot of the basic stuff that I know you're dealing with. Uh, I certainly hope that any of our Spanish listeners who, or, you know, as a second language, you know, that's our first language who know about us first and find you just dive right into what you're doing because you'd be exciting for them. And what I also hope is that, you know, any of your listeners, uh, certainly the ones who are able to understand English, even if Spanish is their first speaking language, uh, that if you really like what we're doing, I think maybe a good place to go would be Andy Morgan. If you're interested in nutrition, that episode is a really good one. Andy tends to speak very slowly. deliberately, slowly. Slowly. Uh, uh, takes very long thoughtful <laughs> pauses when Andy speaks. Uh, they wonder if the episode is cut off. Andy's amazing. He's a really, really you know, fun guy. One very point sarcastic. on that, though, he doesn't talk like that in person. Like he, he talks like a normal person. <laughs> like it's so weird. Like why did you take ten second pauses? And personally, doesn't do that. It's so weird. Sorry. Uh, and if, again, if you're really interested in nutrition stuff, uh, there's a few old episodes. Again, Carter Good. His story is very similar to yours. And right next to it is an episode by Sohi Lee. It's our most downloaded episode ever. Uh, if you want other people from other cultural experiences, Holly Baxter is packed full of nutrition information. And, you know, uh, she's originally from Australia, living in Tampa. So we've got a bunch of really great nutrition episodes with some people from all kinds of cool places in the world. I think anyone listening would really enjoy those. If you like it, you know, subscribe to our podcast. We have, which we're creeping up, starting to creep up on about 50 episodes. Uh, we've been doing this being shit. It's, it's not too, I guess we'll have to do something for our one year. 
Yeah. Right? Because that's coming up, what, uh, you know, end of August, beginning of September. So that's not too far away. And it's been a lot of fun. I think the goal for this episode is to get one review written in Spanish. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that, man. That's not, that's not you. That's not you. I wouldn't know what the hell (laughs) it says. It's not, it's not going to be mine, but you probably have a hundred of them. (laughs) You know what? I want a hundred. I want a hundred reviews in Spanish just so everyone who comes to our podcast is like, is this this an English podcast? I don't even know. But maybe they'll be confused. Everyone will be confused when they get on here. They'll just hear two Canadians talking. They're like, what is that? And if I hear, if I see the word gringo, we're Canadians, we're not Americans, so no gringo. <laughs> I don't, good, I don't even good. I'm going, I'm going to Canada for the first time next, well, in three days, actually. You go to Toronto? Mm-hmm. First time you've been there? Yeah, first time in Toronto, first time in Canada. And yeah. What are you doing there? Just traveling? I'm eating cookies, man. All of the cookies. Oh, uh, I'm going, I'm going to Saul Orwell's cookie off. Oh, Saul. Saul, uh, Saul doesn't Saul like my graphics. You could actually Saul that up. didn't I, like our graphics. No, no, Saul, Saul we should talk one. in our episode, our podcast. I'm going to make a very uh-huh. bad graphic for you, and you're going to show him, and he's going to hate it. And then you're going to be like, <laughs> this is, and you're going to be like, I really like it. And he's going, he hates our, he hates our posters. <laughs> he's like, they're so bad. I'm like, yeah, they are. They're supposed to be bad. We don't, we don't know Saul. Uh, I, I guess we have a lot of mutual friends with him, but he was criticizing the graphic for Brian Cron's episode, which we thought was very good. They're deliberately, the Photoshop is deliberately sort of, you'll see, no, any, of, any of your listeners who see the graphic will see. Uh, we love them. We think they're really good. They're they're meant to be that way because uh, oh, we don't great. have the time or production <laughs> budget to actually. It's gonna be like, great. You're gonna really have it in your hands because the episode's released on Thursday, so you're gonna have a graphic. You like, Saul, check this out. Oh. Like, I'm so proud actually, of it. I'm so proud of this. Don't graphic. show him. Just just and like don't say anything and see what he says uh, because you never know. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll even consider having him on here. No, but you know what I'm gonna we'll do? Put- I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a graphic for his episode with the cookie no. monster. Just see all that. <laughs> just don't do the cookie monster or anything no, like I that am. it's too I'm gonna, cliche I'm i think it's so cliche and so bad i'm like man just come on <laughs> okay sorry i'm having too yeah, much okay. if you're if you're in toronto uh, i don't know if you know who louis guarino is he was a guest recently as well he's a really amazing dude i got a feeling that i wouldn't be shocked if saul and him know each other but uh louis is, is a really amazing fitness professional in toronto if you have enough time try to like just look him up or network with him he's a really amazing dude i can send a message actually to link you guys up just so he he knows who you are he's a really really awesome fella please do please do thank you man okay my pleasure i'm gonna end this and then we can chat peace shut up and sit down